Hey, BBK family, it's your girl, Juju, CEO and founder of the Black and Brown Connection, and you are tuned into our eighth episode of Motivational Monday. Today, we have Dominique Hawkins. Um, So, like, I was on Instagram, and I found her tweet, and I posted it, and then she was like, oh my gosh, thank you, and I'm like, wow, like, because, you know, like, sometimes you don't find people being vulnerable, and I was like, you know what, I want to have her on BBK podcast. So I'm so happy to bring her here to you today. So how are you today, Dominique? I am doing well today. How are you? I'm well, I'm well. I'm so happy to have you here today with I'm us. I'm happy to be here. Yes. So I want, I want to ask you a, a quick question before, you know, we jump into everything. When you made your tweet about um, law school and like failing the first time, did you expect the tweet to like blow up? No, I did not. I only made it because I know some people that I went to school with and, you know, they were struggling with actually like comprehending with, okay, I did not pass the exam. And I wanted to make sure that everyone that was in that same position, you know, knew that, hey, it's okay. It's okay. It's normal. This happens and that you're going to be fine. So I wanted to make sure that everyone knew that, not just people that I knew, but people, you know, everywhere. So I did not know it was going to take off like that. I'm glad it did. And I'm glad it helped so many people because, I wish I would have seen a tweet like that when I was going through it when I didn't pass. Yeah. And that's and like, I really admire the tweet because it was just so vulnerable. It was like, hold up, wait. Like, you don't see a lot of like law students like talk about it and then like also like offer help as well. Right. And I was like, yo, like I got to post this tweet on BBK and then you interacted with it. I'm telling you like when people interact with tweets that we post, I'm like, hold up, wait. Hold on, wait. Like yeah. it's, a, it's a very exciting moment. Yeah. So then to see that you did it, and then you did like a IG a IG live. It was like okay, like this is the type of people we need in our community to like offer up help. Right. Right. Yeah. No, I absolutely I pride myself on being available to people because I understand and I know how it feels and I know like when you first get that news, it's suffocating. And I tell people all the time, it's like you kind of go through a grieving process. And that's how it was described to me once I asked someone, you know, how did you process this information? Because it's like, you've been studying for this exam. Like, this is the exam that makes or breaks your career, right? So it's kind of just like, how do I process? Okay, I did not pass this time. How can I pass the next time? So it was kind of like a grieving process. And I pride myself on making myself available to those, you know, that kind of need that inspiration and kind of need that, okay, that oomph to go to the next step. Right. Right. And I think you did did just that. Mm -hmm. So and then like y'all probably like, what are y'all talking about? Like we talking to a lawyer right here. Okay. We talking to someone who's just like, you know, like did the thing. Okay. You know, we all out here, out here, you know, trying to get our big girl, big guy degrees and whatnot. And like this is one who like did it. And um, to have her here is going to be, I think for us, the community is going to be real transformational just to hear how somebody like got there. Um, so the first question I want to ask you is where are you from? Where did you go to college and what did you major in? Okay. So I'm originally from Houston, Houston, Texas, born and raised. Um, I received my undergraduate degree from Texas A&M university. Um, and then after that, I actually, I graduated early and then I moved to Austin. I worked for the Texas Law session. And then after that, I attended law school from a Texas, Thurgood Marshall School of Law, Texas Southern University, and I graduated in 2020 in the midst of COVID. So that was fun. <laughs> oh my gosh. Like how, how was that in the midst of COVID? Oh man, that was crazy. So, cause I will never forget my, my group of friends and I were on the way back from spring break. We had just had a great spring break in Jamaica 
and we got, the, we, I will never forget, we were in our uh, layover to Chicago, and they said that graduation was canceled, and I was like, <gasps> he had that moment, it was like, oh my gosh, my heart was broken, because, you know, it's that moment that you wait for, and that you, you know, it's the moment, you know, and so they supposed to say graduation canceled, when that happened, when that happened, we just knew stuff with the bar was going to be jacked up, and of course, that's what happened, everything got pushed back, you know, they had to do multiple exams, you know, in-person exams and switch to online exams. And that became something different because, you know, we were so used to, you know, everything's going to be in person, everything's going to be in person and things were not in person. And sometimes, you know, the first time I actually took the bar, I took the bar in a hotel room. And so, yeah, I took the bar in a hotel room. Everyone, every person I was taking the bar, took it in a hotel room. And so that was an experience. Zero out of 10, do not recommend. <laughs> but, uh yeah, so that's pretty much my experience. And then, like I said, I graduated from A&M. I received my BA in political science, and I double minored in English and sociology. Wow. Yeah. Okay, so I want to, like, break this down because between, like, COVID, it's just, like, hold away, hotel rooms, taking the test, like, yes. crazy. Yes. Like, how did you mentally even prepare to even, like, be like okay this is why i'm about to take my test this is like what i have to do right now like what was that process like for you to like just make that pivot especially when nobody else has done it like right. this before right. no um it was definitely an adjustment mentally it was it was kind of because you're already struggling mentally with like okay at the time um my test prep my bar prep was going to be in person it switched to totally online and I'm definitely one of those people, I like hard copies. I like being in person. So the fact that everything had to go online was such an adjustment for me. And so kind of preparing for the bar and preparing that everything was already online was something that kind of helped me prepare for like, okay, I'm going to be taking in this hotel room. I mean, I didn't know what to expect since it was my first time taking the exam. So it was kind of just like mentally preparing every day for it. It's kind of like, okay. Because um, at, at one point, they didn't know how they were going to administer the bar. They didn't know if they were going to you know, make it online at first. They didn't know it. They didn't know if they were going to do it multiple times. They didn't know. No one knew. And so it was kind of just figuring out day by day and kind of just being flexible because no one knew. I mean, of course, across the United States, no one knew really how to handle it. And so kind of just figuring out like, okay, as soon as we will get an update, you know, every time we got an email, every time I received an email from the board of law examiners, my heart just went, you know, because it's just like, oh, yeah, I'm really going to say now. So just preparing for it day by day. And it's kind of like, okay, you know, being flexible. I think that's what really helped me. Yeah. And when, when you didn't pass the first time, like, what was those like wave of emotions? You see my eyes, they crossing, girl. It was, it was a huge wave of emotions. Like I said, it really felt like a grieving process because at the time, you know, I took the bar and usually the bar is administered in July. I took the bar in September. So it's like, you know, the bar had been pushed back that long, you know, at the point I was ready to take the exam and get it over. So I had been studying for that point since May. And so, you know, I'm already unstable because we don't know, you know, we didn't know how this was going to turn out. We didn't know if this was going to work out. Um, so just getting those results, my heart was broken. Like I was, it was, it was again, suffocating. That's the word I used because it was just like, oh my gosh, I cannot believe I didn't pass the first time. And then when I didn't pass, I think what made it worse personally for me was that I was five points away. <laughs> yeah, I was five points um... away. So at that point in time, I was like, oh my gosh, what, what questions, you know, what questions, what essays did I not, you know, it could, it could have been a sentence. It could have been two sentences that got me to that five points. It could have been three MBE questions. It could have been, 
you know, it just all these emotions were going through my mind, and it was kind of just like, oh my gosh, I, I felt embarrassed. It wasn't really like I felt embarrassed, but you always feel embarrassed because it's kind of like, you know, you have people that are supporting you, your support system, and they're expecting you to pass. And like, oh, we know you're going to pass, so you start feeling that pressure, right? You start feeling like, even though they're not intentionally adding the pressure, you start feeling the pressure because it's like, okay, right. I need to pass. Like I had the support system. People have supported me all along this way. People from church, you know, my professors, so on and so forth, my friends. So it's kind of like when you get those results, I w- it's, it's again, it was hard. It, I was heartbroken. And so it was kind of like at that time, I actually had a friend that was like, okay, I know, uh, I know it's a lot going on. And at the time, you know, people were finding out that they were getting results. So, it, you know, they were passing and then texting me and then, you know, hey, Dom, did you pass? And it's like, no, I didn't pass. <laughs> and, you know, you want to be happy for your friends that did pass because you don't want to come across as a hater. It's not cute being a hater. Right. So, you know, you're like, I didn't pass, but, you know, congratulations to you. So you still having that disappointment. You start feeling all these emotions. It's like, oh, my gosh, like, how did they pass? And I didn't pass. And, you know, you start comparing yourself. And so once you start going through those slew of emotions, it's kind of just like, oh my gosh, I still didn't pass. So it's kind of like disbelief, disappointment. And again, just being like, you start feeling like, even though it's not you, you start feeling like a failure. And yeah. that was something that I definitely struggled with. Yeah. I, like your wave of emotions. I, first of all, I just want to say thank you for just being transparent with it because even like within any transition that we go through within college or tests and exams, like when everybody's like getting those like results that we want, it's just like, yes. yo, how do I show up? And then how do I like still try to like be true to myself right. and not give up on like even going back a second time? So right. how did you like just even muster up the faith just to like just say, I'm about to go back and I'm going to do this again? I okay so my parents I really had to thank my parents because at the time that I found, I found out on Halloween I will never forget it I found out on Halloween oh my goodness yeah, I couldn't even celebrate Halloween girl <laughs> and I and I enjoy being festive I'm a festive person so I found out on Halloween and so my parents were like, okay we're gonna give you a couple of days to like you know feel it but then you got to get back in it and so that's always been like my parents were like okay you know you got to I understand it's a low moment but you can't stay too low you can't get too high in the highs so I was like okay so my parents kind of like pushed me, but it, I'm not going to lie. Even though they pushed me to like still continue to do it. And so still continue to push and to try. It was hard. There were some days when, when I was studying the second time, I was like, I don't know if I'm able to do this. Like, I, I just, I don't know. And you know, it's just some days I was just like, okay, I'm plenty capable of passing the exam. I'm plenty capable. Cause you start thinking mentally, okay, I was only this five points away. You know, again, what was it? And it's like, I had to stop thinking like that. I had to say, okay, I mean, you are plenty. God, to me, I am a spiritual person. I'm like, God would have not brought me this far just to leave me here. And he has never left me in where he did not want me to be. So it was kind of just like, okay, Dom, push on, continue to. And granted, all the days weren't good days. There were some days I was like, forget it. (laughs) I'm just not going to be an attorney. This is it. This is it, right? And so just continuing to push on, I think, kind of helped me. And then I think I was something that helped me as well as that. Having friends that were in the same predicament as me, I have one of my very close friends. Um, we she did not um, she did not pass Texas as well, and so we studied together. And just having each other as like accountability partners that was something that helped me too. It, that would I without her, I don't think I would have passed the second time because being like each other's support system was really important to me. 
Right. Yeah. Wow. So it, and then even in having the support system, like were were there things that you had to, I know that you said you had to push away like some of the mindsets, but did you like, like distance yourself from like certain people just so you can like focus on what was like going on and like in front of you with like your exam? Um, I wouldn't say I distanced myself with like certain people. Um, if anything, I was just in grind mode and people that knew me understood that. And I always okay. think, like people that know you, and people that are rooting for you, they're going to understand you, understand what you're going through during that point. They want you to succeed. So, like, I I never had to distance myself during that time. I um, There were some people that was like, okay, well, I see what your focus is on, but my focus is definitely on passing the exam. Because I couldn't, like, I couldn't afford to not work and take that exam again. So that was my focus. I wanted to pass that exam the second time. I was so close, and I was not letting it get away from me the second time. So I just yeah. like hone in and people that were with me were with me. People who weren't, weren't. Yeah. And I, I, the only reason I really ask that question is because mm-hmm. when we have to like do things again or when we have to like grind more, sometimes it's just hard to just say no or right. for everyone just to be like, okay, like I want to have fun. I want to do all these yeah. things. It's just like those priorities yeah. within ourselves of like to have fun, but to say no. Yeah. And then like just for the people around us to understand where we don't feel like guilty that like we're missing out and we're really just like having FOMO especially in like big and like big important obstacles or like um pivot pivotal moments like in our lifetime I feel so yeah that's I'm sorry oh you're good I think that's why I really wanted to just to ask the okay. question to see like you know how was it with your mindset and just like the people around you and how you maybe had to like you know distance or just like you know not enjoy some of the things that you really wanted to do with yeah. people just to really like make sure that all, all your energy and your focus was really in the game yeah I think um when you brought up like kind of like not being able to say no and you know be I feel like one of the biggest things when studying for studying for the bar it's all a mental game it's all a mind game so it's like are you are you going to give up two months of going out? And granted, we were in the pandemic, and it made things a lot easier because everything was closed, you know. So right. it was still a matter of fact of like even the second time, you know, people were going out. You know, by the time I'm saying for the second round, people were going out, all that kind of stuff. But it's like you have to remain disciplined for the long term goal. The short term goal, okay, I'm going out, I'm having fun, this and this and this and this. But it's like, okay, what are you giving up? And what are you giving up to reach your long-term? Like, what is your long-term goal? You need to think about the long game. And so when you make these goals and when you say, hey, I'm going to do this, it's going to require sacrifice. It's going to require hard work and it's going to require discipline. And you're not going to be able to, you know, pivot in between those because you have to go through those obstacles in order to get to the long game. To me, what was important for me, my priority, again, was passing the bar the second time. I was not about to take that exam a third time. So that yeah, <laughs> I have no shame in saying that. And so I knew that in order for me to, and I'm a very social person, as everyone knows, everyone knows I love a brunch. I love a happy hour. But I I wasn't focused on that. Yes, you know, I did have my moments where I did do brunch and I did, I did do happy hour. But that was after I got my work done. And that was when I was comfortable with my work. But I had to sacrifice, you know, constantly going out in order for me to get that bar license because that was my priority. Right. See, that's a, and how you said, like, when you were comfortable with what you what you did and how you studied, then it was like, okay, I can have fun. Yeah, it's definitely that. that balance. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah. So if you listen to this, there's no balance is key, especially like because sometimes we're like, oh yeah, we have balance, but I think how you phrase it, like when I'm comfortable 
like and taking information and I know that I did what I had to do. Right. It's like fun can happen. I don't got to worry about an exam. I don't got to worry yeah. if I did, did enough because I know that before I even put myself in this predicament or co- going outside, I'm like 10 toes down with what I studied for and what I did. Right. So they also, now that we're here, right, I kind of want to like just backtrack a little bit because I want to get into who Dominique is as a person and like a little bit of your background. So when did you know that you wanted to go to college? Um, ever since I was little. Um, my, both of my parents are college educated. So it was kind of just like a thing in our household. You know, I always wanted to, I always knew I wanted to be an attorney. I've always enjoyed helping people, um, especially like with my family, you know, um, I just always wanted to know I wanted to go to college and always wanted to be an attorney. So I knew I had to, you know, go to college to be an attorney. So, yeah. yeah. And are you the oldest? Are you the only child? No, I am actually uh, the youngest. I have an older brother who's actually an educator. He teaches high school. And so, yeah, they, uh, both of us were like this. So he's mm-hmm. been, like one of my biggest support systems in this whole process. I wouldn't be here without him. Oh, that's nice. And was it like being able to like see him go to college and like, you know, pursue his dream? Was it just like, okay, like I can do this. Like if we, we this close and we this tight, then it means like I can do it too. Oh, absolutely. Yes. So (laughs) my brother and I laugh about this all the time because he was the one he, you know, because I'm the youngest, you know, the parents are really harder on the youngest. They're not, they're not asking the youngest, you know, so he took the blunt, the brunt of, you know, everything. So seeing him go through his experiences it was kind of like okay like even if he would like to mess up or do something like that it was kind of like, okay i know what to do when i get to college i know how to navigate this kind of stuff so ha- definitely having him like do it first <laughs> was definitely like something that helped me in my college experience yeah oh my gosh the youngest the, the youngest they y'all y'all are some special people in our parents you eyes i'm definitely i'm the oldest of like five okay we love y'all. Yeah. Shout out to y'all for being the oldest. <laughs> yes. Holding yeah. it down. Yes. And, but even like in college, like were there points where you had like to reach out to your, to your brother and be like, yo, how do I do this? Yes, absolutely. Because there's some stuff that, you know, you don't want to necessarily reach out to your parents about. And so, you know, I'll reach out to my brother like, hey, this is what's going on. So my brother, he's one of people, he's, my brother is always going to show. My brother could be in World War Five right now. And I call him like, hey, I need help. Come get me, please. Every The world stops and he will come get me. So I definitely reached out to him and some stuff where I just didn't know how to navigate. Or, you know, some of my friends, I'm like, hey, I'm at, my friend is having this issue. How did I navigate this? And at this point, he was already in his career as being an educator. So that helps. That helped a lot. Yeah. And what made you want to stay like in Texas for undergrad? Oh, okay. So in Texas, we have this program. Um, it's called the Top Ten Percent Program. And so once you're in the top ten percent, you're uh, you receive um, admission to any public school, uh, automatic admission to any public school. Mm-hmm. So I know I knew that. Hey, I want to be an attorney. I need you know my undergrad to be strong to get into law school. I need my grades, you know, the school reputation, everything. So at this point, I was okay. I'm either going to UT or I'm going to Texas A and M and University of Texas is UT. So I said, okay, uh, I ended up getting waitlisted to going to UT. And I was like, okay, you know, God has a plan. I'll just go to A&M. And that ended up being the best decision ever. Mm-hmm. And then what was the process like of finding, like, your law school? Oh, man, that was a process. So um, 
I guess, okay, so one of my biggest things, I wanted to stay in Texas only because, of course, my family is here. And I knew that I wanted to practice in Texas. I At one point, I was actually looking at other schools such as like LSU, um, other stuff, other schools like that that are typically out of the state. However, um, different states like Louisiana is still practicing like French law, whereas Houston, I mean, Texas, you know, Texas law is pretty much broad. And I knew that mm-hmm. like, me, okay, long-term goal, maybe like five or six, you know, I'm lying. Maybe like 10 years later, like I know that I will probably still be in Texas. So I was like, okay, let me stay in Texas. I could always relocate. And at the time, Texas, um, the Texas Board of Law Examiners was thinking about changing the Texas bar to uniform bar exam. And so the uniform bar exam allows you to be licensed in multiple states. So I was like, okay, that will probably okay. be my best bet anyway. Because even if, because because I passed the uniform bar exam in Texas, if another state has like the same passing score or a lower passing score, I'm able to practice in that state too. So it allowed me that flexibility. Okay. And for anyone who's like trying to just like figure out like where to go to law school, like how did you, how were you able to just find that out, that information? Um, definitely. I did my research. So I, um, had some people that went to Thurgood Marshall School of Law. So I reached out to them and I asked them their experience. I encourage everybody to definitely reach out. If you know someone at that law school, reach out to them, ask them questions, you know, ask them for a cup of coffee, you know, ask if you just have a little bit of their time. I definitely feel like that's vital. You also want to think about like how you ask me, where do you want to practice? Cause that matters. Um, definitely do your research. I say go on their website, figure out, okay, what do I like? about this school? What do, what do I think that I want to do? Because a lot of people think that they go to law school and that they have to know exactly what they want to do when they get into law school, which is not the case at all. I didn't know what I wanted to do until my second summer, going into my third year. So um, definitely figuring out like what you're looking for in a law school, look on their website, ask their alum, reach out to some professors. A lot of professors do reach out to prospective students. So I suggest that, I mean, yes, a lot of professors do reach out to prospective students and vice versa. So I do suggest that you do that. And I I actually did that. I reached out to some professors at Thurgood, you know, and they gave me basically like a little rundown, which was awesome because it was like, okay, it's easy to see that their professors are personable. It was important yeah. because I know that in my learning experience, I want to be able to make sure that I'm able to ask you questions and that I'm able to reach out to you when you need assistance. So, yeah. Yeah, I think... Where you say like you personable is like the key thing because like yes. if I go to the school with you and I can't even like approach you and ask you a question, then maybe that school is just not the right place for me or you're just probably just like not my match when it comes to like education and how I need it and like your teacher style. Right, which is important. And so that went that was something that was important for me when I was looking into law schools. Also, like I said, I know I wanted to be here and it was a couple of schools I applied to U of H. South Texas, all those schools. And then I was like, okay, they're good. I was like, it's an HBCU. 10 out of 10 would recommend. Uh, it was it was an experience. Of course, going from a PWI to an HBCU, you know, for my postgraduate education was definitely a different experience for me, but I don't regret it. And I loved every single person that I met through Thurgood and all the connections that I made and that I'm continuing to make. So yeah. And how was that transition like? What was that like going from like a PWI to HBCU? It was definitely a transition. Uh, only because like, of course, PWIs, of course, they have more funding than HBCUs, unfortunately. And so you definitely get to see the disparities between PWI and HBCUs. However, the that alum network, of course, in Texas, Texas A&M's alum network is huge. Like we're known for our networking. But when you go to Thurgood, it's like people just look out for you. 
people are, you know, you go to these networking events and, you know, you go to, you know, you're looking for a job, you're looking for an internship. Third good looks out for third good. And so I think that was the biggest thing for me. It was just like, oh my gosh, like I already have a great, you know, networking, you know, network with my undergrad and to have one with third good was even more awesome, especially because, you know, being a black woman, that's so important. I always emphasize representation matters. And so seeing that black face and then seeing that, that black face as a woman, then pushing the envelope even more for seeing that she was a third good, it makes it even more better connection. Yeah. Wow. Cause like I've, I've talked to some people and they're like, yeah, I went to the PWI and now I'm going to HBCU and the experience is just like, wow, like undergrad, I was probably missing out yes. on like a lot. It's like, wow, like maybe I need to like go back and try it over again. Yes. Um, so did you like have conversation with family members and friends when you was like making this change where it's just like, wow, I'm about to like go from like a PWI to HBCU? Um, I would uh, kind of sort of, it was just, it was different. So I think it was a shift. It was like different being with, it, it felt good. It, it, even though like it was awesome, it felt different like being with my people. I'm like, okay, we could talk about stuff. We can understand why I'm, I, you know, why I had this scarf around my edges, you know, <laughs> trying to lay those yeah. edges down, you know, before this interview and all this kind of stuff. And so I think if anything, it was kind of just like, wow, it was, it was amazement. Like, wow. Like it feels good to be in a community, to be good in a school where it's like, okay, we all understand each other. We're all on the same page. Even though, obviously, everyone's different, but it was just good to be, you know, where your people are. And I feel like that's always the best thing. Yeah. And as an alum, have you been able to, like, you know, tap into some of the law students who are currently, like, there? Yes. So, I actually, I mentee a lot of the students there. I mentee bar students specifically. Um, I, I, after I took the bar, I took the bar last February. I passed, uh, found out that I passed in May. And so, um, excuse me, April. Found out that I passed in okay. And um, ever since then, I helped students pass the July bar. And now I'm helping them. They will pass. I'm claiming it for them because they will pass in February. Yes. Yeah, 22, 2022 bar. So I'm constantly giving back. You know, I, I like I said, I don't mind helping people. Just reach out and just take the process seriously. And I promise once it's over, it's over. Because you, you'll pass it. Right. And what's it like to be like a mentor? I actually love being a mentor um, because it, it helps me prevent people from making the same mistakes that I did. And so I think when I help my mentees, I tell them like what I did and I tell them, don't do that because you see, I didn't pass the first time, you know? So it's like, I, even yeah. with law school, it's kind of like, okay, this is what helped me. Everyone is different. And I tell them like, everyone is different. Everyone has their own experiences. However, this is what I did. I suggest that you don't do that to get this result. And so I just help, I just really like helping people to, you know, get to that next level and then saying like, hey girl, don't do that. Hey boy, don't do that. Cause look, do this, do this, do this. Right. <clears throat> I made the mistake. I don't want you to take the same long route that I did to make that same mistake. Learn from my mistakes and move on. Yes. Yes. I definitely agree with that. Like, don't make the same mistakes I did. Yes. Yeah, listen, no. don't do it. No. Because, you know, they be, you know, people, they be like, let me just, like, thread on this line a little bit. Yeah. And then you just, like, see, like, you did it. And so, but, no, that's great that you're a mentor. Because I know some people, it's like, do I want to get back to my to my alma mater? Like, do I want to go back there? Yeah. But, you know, like, it's important for us to just, like, still tap in just to help, like, the next person out. Yes. So absolutely. what do you do now? Oh, oh, so sorry. right now, I, uh, like I said, I'm an attorney. I practice workers' comp workers comp law in texas 
So basically, I help injured workers that get hurt on the job. So I pretty much do that now. I enjoy it. Um, I have a great mentor at my job. He's black. He's a black attorney. He's great at what he does. And I feel like that is, again, representation matters. And so he's taking me underneath his wing, which has caused me to flourish in that area. So at first, when I first got there, I was like, uh, I don't know if this is for me. Um, I don't know if I'm really, you know, cut out for this kind of work. But when he took me underneath his wing, and when I'm telling he is bad. He is, and I love it because it's like when I go to court and they're like, they're referencing him. And I'm just like, yes, he taught me that. <laughs> so it makes it, it makes it a wonderful place to work. And he's been a great mentor teaching me. And so, so far, like so far, so good. And is that where you like, you see yourself like long-term, long-term? So no, actually this is not what I see myself doing long-term. I actually want to become um, general counsel of a company. So um, basically I want to work in-house which is basically okay. like being an attorney for a company and doing that kind of work. But this is great foundation because I'm actually litigating. And so I never thought I would want to be here in litigation and go actually going to court because it kind of makes me nervous to talk in front of people, but I'm doing all day, every day, you know, representing people. And so the more I do it, the better I get and the more comfortable I get doing it. So it's like, I never thought I'd be actually right. litigating, but I'm here. I am litigating. <laughs> no, that's so... It's so nice to hear you say that. And I'm like, through this entire, like, interview, you're just, like, just being so open, transparent. And it's just like, yes, like, let us know because, yes. you know, when we get out of college and then we like, we're going to be here. And it's like, I'm not even, like, where I truly want to be. Right. But I'm taking where I'm at as a lesson because I know where I do want to be. So, you know, throughout everything, you've just been so, like, just transparent with us. So, to get to where you want to go, like, what are the other things that you are basically paying attention to in your current position? Thank you for asking me that. Thank you for highlighting that. So I haven't always been this way. Um, okay. so the biggest thing for me is living in the present. Um, I've, I've struggled with this because, of course, being a driven person that I am, I'm like, okay, I see where I want to go. This is what I want to do, right? So this is the stuff that I need to take. And, like, I was just telling a friend of mine, like, hey, like, I was just having a moment recently. Like, hey, I'm struggling with this. I don't know because this is not – I'm struggling because, it's like, I don't know if I'm supposed to be where I am, right? And so that was the issue that I was having internally. And so he told me, he was like, hey, the reason that you're kind of, you know, in between is because you're not appreciating where you are right now. He was like, you see where you want to be. And that's fine. You'll get there in due time. And my life coach is so me the same thing. You'll get there in due time. But appreciate where you are. Enjoy the present because you're here for a reason. You didn't just, you know, fall here for no reason. You know, at one point you wanted to go to law school. You got to law school. At one point you wanted to, you know, just graduate. You graduate. When you graduate, you want to pass the bar. You pass the bar. So you're going to get there in due time. All the things that you want is coming. And so um, I just feel like. That's really important is to highlight to be important and I mean to be present in your present and to just appreciate that because um, you're always going to be thinking about your next goals and as you should you should always think about you know aspiring like right now like circling back to your question what am I doing now to get to that position I'm making sure that being a young attorney that I'm grasping all the skills that I can now for that next position so I do have litigation experience on my you know on my resume I do have deposition experience on my resume. I do have discovery. Uh, all these are legal terms, by the way. I, I do have, you know, discovery and all, all these kind of things underneath my belt. So I am, when I get to that position, when I get to that future position, 
the qualities that I acquired in my present position will have me prepared for my future position. So it's kind of just like right now, it's like, okay, I'm learning the ropes. I'm learning how to be more comfortable when I speak to others, you know, in you know, in front of a huge courtroom or with the judge. I'm learning to say, hey, be more confident in myself and be more confident in my abilities. I'm learning to, you know, learning these skills. You know, this is how you do it, Dom. You know, don't don't reinvent the wheel. Do this, do that, do this. So it's like I'm learning these skills now. And it's like, okay, I'll use these at a later date, you know, when I do get to have general counsel experience because I know it's coming in due time. Right. And did you, I know like this is, this might be a silly question, but like when you were younger, did you ever see yourself like where you are right now? Oh, man. So I would say yes, but like everything that was going on in my life right now, no. Okay. Um, I knew that I would be an attorney. Uh, I think if anything, life, through from law school to now, I've learned flexibility because I've always been one of those people. If I do this and this and this, I'll get this. And that's always happened for me, right? But in but that's not life. Life doesn't happen right. that way. Life be life in, as we all know. <laughs> life <laughs> life be life in. So I and I tell my boss that all the time, my life be life in. Sometimes it works out, sometimes it doesn't. And so uh yes and no to answer your question. Okay. And being in your, like, your work experience, is it everything that you would have imagined? Like, just right now. Like, when people used to talk to you about, like, you know, being an attorney and, like, you know, what your, you know, work day would be like and what, what would being in the office be like? Like, is it everything that you would imagine it to be? Yes and no. Only because I feel like, okay, so I've been in school all this time, right? So it's like you learn and you hear these tidbits. And I tell people just, like, when you get to law school, you can only receive so much information until you're actually in it. And I feel like I feel the same way about actually being an attorney now. Um, I'm actually lucky with my position and with my job because, you know, you hear so much about young attorneys working these crazy hours and, you know, they're working for an employer that they really don't appreciate. Whereas I'm pretty lucky. I work for a great employer. Um, I'm gaining this experience and it's kind of like, wow, I'm actually putting what I know to use. Sometimes it's like, why did I even learn that in that class? Like, okay, geometry. When are we ever going to use geometry? Yo, <laughs> right? Like, <laughs> it's like all these classes, like, what were you really trying to set me up for? Right, right. And so it's kind of just like one of those things. It's kind of like, okay, once I get into it, I kind of can see it. But uh, I, uh, it's yes and no. Because, like, you, you kind of, again, you're figuring stuff out. Because people think, like, once you pass the bar, it's like, oh, my gosh, you know everything about everything. And it's like, no, I still don't know anything. Like, I got to actually practice. And that's right. what is you're constantly practicing. You're constantly refining. You're constantly learning. Yes. See, I hope people, I hope people that really listen to this conversation because it's like, you know, we can only learn but so much. But once we get in the position, it's just like a whole wave of information is like thrown at you and it's just like when we even get in the, that position did you ever experience the imposter syndrome at your job now yes yes oh my gosh yes i yes i actually read this book called imposter syndrome because i was really this was when i was like trying to figure out like is this the job position for me and so um I I started second guessing myself again going and I feel like also a lot of people don't talk about and I was just talked to one of my really close friends about it 
once you get out of the school, like the school mode, and you jump, you know, jump into the, the workforce, I don't feel anyone really prepares you for the adjustment that you make from that in that lifestyle. <laughs> so that's a huge lifestyle adjustment because you're going from being in school all the time to working, and it's like you're going every day, eight to five, every day, eight to five, every day, eight to five, and it's and that's a huge adjustment by itself. And so you're dealing with you're you know you're constantly adjusting and trying to figure that out. And then on top of that, you're dealing with, you know, your job and you're like, okay, well, you know, because when you first get that, that first job, it's like, oh, I don't know. If yeah. You know, you, you're still trying to figure it out. I don't know if this is the place for me or I don't know. You know, you start receiving critiques of your work, you know, and which is normal. You start receiving critiques of your work and it's like, oh, and you start, you know, grilling yourself and, you know, you start you know, talking to yourself in a negative way, which affects you. And a lot of people don't really realize that. Right. You know, they aren't aware of that. And so I was becoming one of those people who's like, okay, like I'm already struggling with adjusting, like having a work-life balance, which is important to me. It's always been important to me. And so I'm struggling with that. And I'm making sure like, hey, like I do want to work out. Can I work out? You know, I love to read. Can I read? Um, I'm struggling with that on top of, you know, am I able to do my job e- efficiently and effectively? Am I really supposed to be in this position? Did they hire the wrong person? Am I qualified for this position? And so I started going through these, like, you know, these emotions and, you know, asking these questions, of course, like, you know, talking down on myself and saying, hey, no, you can't do this. And, you know, just saying, like, you know, Dom, you need to do every everything you do needs to be perfect, especially being a black woman in the profession and a predominantly white male profession. You feel the need to be perfect. And, you know, you can't mess up because you have to work twice as hard to get half of what they have. So right. I'm constantly dealing with that. And so it came to a moment where I said, I had to stop. The negative talking had to stop. I had to accept like, okay, Dominic, you are plenty capable. And I had to like talk to myself and have these mantras. And I talk to myself all the time. My friends know I have no shame in my game. I had to talk to myself and be like, hey, girl, get it together. Do you do you think you just made it here just because you was pretty? No. Like, do you think you just made it here just because of the luck? No, luck doesn't get you this far. No, I'm like, you're smart. You're smart. You have so much going for yourself. You know, look at look at all the blessings that you have. Look at how God has blessed you and continues to bless you. You're smart. You're plenty capable of doing whatever God says that you're capable of doing. Even if you aren't qualified, God made you qualified. And so Amen. that was something that I had to put that in my head and say that to myself every day until I was like, I need to believe this 100%. Because who's going to believe my word if I don't believe in my own word? Who's going to have, who's going to put the confidence in myself if I don't have the confidence? You have to have confidence for yourself. But say, if somebody says, you know, Don, you messed up or hey, you know, this didn't work out or, um, you know, you, you, you didn't do well on this, but Hey, here's, here's room for improvement. And like, I, like I talk to my mom all the time. My mom is, she's been in customer service for about 40 years. And so the biggest thing is I look at how people manage me. And so I see how I want to manage others in the future, you know, within, in regards to like criticism and stuff like that. So when I do receive criticism, I'm not so harsh on myself, you know, and that's something that I have to learn too. It's like, okay, Dominique, you're not perfect. You're not a machine. And right. I had to realize that, like, your perfection is, un- is an unrealistic expectation. You're not going to be perfect. No one is perfect. You could be close, but you're not perfect. And so I had to accept that, like, hey, when somebody gives you criticism, accept it. It's okay. And if it hurts your feelings, then you take a minute and say, ouch, that hurt. And that's something that my life coach told me, you know, ouch, that hurt. You know, you have moments to yourself, but you say, hey, this is room for improvement. I can improve in this. So it won't happen two or three times. You know, you kind of just have to overcome it. You continue to speak positive to yourself and you don't talk down on yourself because it's like everyone's been here one of the major things that i had to deal with was um i 
gave myself these unrealistic and no one one of the biggest things that I came to realize no one puts these unrealistic expectations on myself like no one let me excuse me no one gives me unrealistic expectation I put them on myself and I put them on myself by comparing myself to others that have been doing it as long as I've been alive I'm 27 years old why would I have experience with 20 somebody who's been a vet in the game I'm a rookie Right. <laughs> I've been doing this for less than a year. And so I can't compare myself to someone who's been doing it a year, three years, five years. They've all been in the same position. And I think realizing that has been the best thing for me. And realizing that most majority of people don't know what they're doing. They're just finessing. And once you realize that, once you realize that a lot of people don't know what they're doing, they're kind of just figuring it out as they go along with you, you'll be fine. Yeah. Girl, you just gave us a word, okay? A whole word. Look, because... I try, like I, I'm honest, and I tell people like, um, like you said, I'm transparent with what I go through because there's plenty of people that are going through what I go through on a daily basis, but they don't know, you know, they don't know, and people, you know, uh, they don't acknowledge their feelings or they, you know, dismiss it, and it's kind of like these are natural feelings that young adults go through every day, especially as they're transitioning from school to the workforce. Yeah. And that's the hardest transition so many of us go through is just like, like, okay, being like having constructive criticism in college and then in a job that you really care about, that you want to see yourself in, it hits like 10 times like harder and it's just like, okay, like, like, like you said, like recognize the emotions that you feel and then be like, okay, like I'm here. I felt it. Let's like, let's go out and just like do better and get it done correctly. Um, so I think that's very important because we really don't know, like, how do we transition? How do we just like let everything go? Like we've been in, co- we've been in school for how many years and now we're supposed to like go into a workforce and what? take these little parts of education and not actually put it into work. Ain't nobody teaching a class on how to transition exactly. between college and, and workforce. No one's really sitting here and being like, this is how you got to take it. This is how you got to approach it. This is how you got to do the resume. This is how you got to, you know, pivot when you are ready to leave the job. No one's sitting down and talking to you truly, unless you have like a mentor who's really been with you through the whole thing. Right. So, you know, listen, if you want to work first right now, you're just like, I don't even know what I'm doing. I don't even know what I'm about to do. Nobody knows you know, what they like, doing. <laughs> exactly. Everybody out here. And that's the one thing I learned. It's like, people just like, yeah, girl, you know, do your resume. People, they, they going to teach you. And I'm like, so you want me to know all of this stuff, but you're going to teach me because you really know that I probably don't know how to do this. Make it make sense for me, please. Pretty much. You know, make it make sense for me, please. And I'm just like, you know, in this time we're, People are trying to find jobs and they're looking at themselves as like unqualified before even putting the resume, submitting the cover letter in. Like we're really disqualifying ourselves before we even like even try to get into the door, not even knowing on the next side that we might actually be be taught to actually do our job in the capacity that we're supposed to do it. Like, as you said, life be life in. (laughs) So... I want to take a little pivot because I know you be doing brunches. Like, tell me, like, what is your love for brunching? <laughs> yes. So I do love to brunch. Um, I have my own brunch page on Instagram where I rate restaurants at the law of brunch. Um, okay. So just my mom, my parents, uh, they love to go. Well, it really started because after church, we go out to, you know, brunch. And so that was my thing, you know? And so when I, you know, completed college, you know, graduated college and I was living on my own, you know, I lived in Austin, and Austin, if you, Austin is, has plethora of restaurants. You know, you could try different things, all these kind of things. So I was like, you know, I want to start doing going back to brunch because I hadn't been to brunch in I don't know how long. And so I was like, okay, I'm going to start doing it. And so 
I would go to brunch in whatever city I was in. Because at this point in time, I was trying from Houston, Austin, the College Station. Because I still had friends in College Station. You know, um, my line sisters were still in College Station. So I would go back frequently to go visit them and, you know, all that kind of stuff. So eventually it became a thing. And so people started calling me the brunch queen. So I was like, okay, like, I'll take it. <laughs> right, you give me the title. I like it. I'm going to keep it. Right. I, look, I love a good mimosa. There's no shame in my game. I love a good mimosa. I love a good cocktail. I love good food. So, you know, you tell me down let's do brunch. I'm like, when and where? I'm there. Um, and so that's pretty much how that happened. And it just kind of just took off. And then last year, I decided, random missing me studying for the bar exam. So I was like, hey, you know what? I'm going to start a brunch page. So that's how that started. And so I've been doing it ever since. And so people text me all the time, asking me for lists, you know, when they go to like different places, they ask me, hey girl, I need a place to go to brunch. And so I actually like have like a curated list where I send out. And so I just let them choose whatever list that they prefer. So yeah, I love brunch. That's my thing. What's your favorite meal to get when you brunch? Man, so I like to try different things every time I go. But I am... I am a sucker for an omelet. I okay. love your omelet. Look, I love a full omelet. I love omelet. I love waffles, like Belgian waffles. Um, I just started getting into shrimp and grits like a couple years ago. And so I love good shrimp and grits. Love shrimp and grits. You know, like some people don't know about shrimp and grits. You know what? It's so funny because I'm just like, I just started, I think the part that throws me is I always ate grits for like breakfast. So just adding the shrimp and grits because I wasn't raised on that. So it was kind of yeah. a real southern thing. My dad, granted, is a southern man. He's from Arkansas. My mom is from Kirsten from the West Indies. So my mom, you know, she wasn't raised on grits. And so having them come together, you know, we was figuring stuff out. <laughs> we was figuring stuff out. So shrimp and grits was not one of those things that we just ate all the time. Right. And if um, from all the places you've been, what is like your top three favorite places to brunch? in a position like that okay i really don't have or your top one okay. your top I one i really don't have any favorites because <laughs> i really yeah believe it or not i really don't have favorites. i have places that i go to regularly um the union kitchen i love them they love me so i go wherever i'm loved okay they love me i love them um they love their watermelon they have, i don't even like watermelon like that they have a freshly squeezed watermelon mimosa chef kiss um love their mimosas um for brunch um what other places do I like? I like Davis Street, Herman Park. That's in Houston, of course. Um, I used to love this place called The Park in Austin because they used to have the music, they used to have the food. Everything was good. And I love a good brunch buffet. Um, one of my favorites here in Houston is called Pinstripes. I, girl, one, one, I had to stop going there because the valet started recognizing me. So I had to stop. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> girl, the valet started recognizing me. Girl, I have to stop going. So, um, Pinstripes, I love their brunch buffet because they have everything. I'm talking like, um, they have omelet. Uh, the, the guy will make the omelet for you. You have an omelet station. You have a waffle station. You got pancakes. You got all kinds of, you got, um, the salmon, uh, bagels, fruit. And I love fruit. So it's like, I love those assortments. So they have fruit, French top girl, everything. And it all is so good. And they even have Brussels sprouts and those Brussels sprouts were blessing. So I just, wow. Yes, because you know Brussels sprouts is like, yeah, who making them exactly? Well, Brussels sprouts is really is really is very is very hit and miss, especially with who's cooking it. Um, but yeah, those are my probably one of my top favorite spots. Um, I'm trying a new spot this weekend called the Daily Gathering. That place was very good. I'm gonna make a review on that soon. But yeah, 
I'm a okay. person. It just depends on what I'm in the mood for. I'm like, well, this yes. person has good waffles. This person has good omelets. Mm, let's see which one I'm in the mood for. Do you travel? Like sometimes, like, you know, I'm going to go to this place for this, and then I'm going to go to this place for this. Um, As far as, like, in Houston, yes. Because sometimes I'm very picky about that. I'm like, okay, for example, I love crawfish. So I'll go like, okay, this place, I'm going to crawfish, but this place is going to serve good crab. Got to go to this person for this crawfish. Got to go to this person for good crab. Got to go to this person for good donuts. Got to go to this person for good donuts. Go to this person for omelet. Go to this person for this. I'm very keyed in like that because it's like some people, like there's a place, I don't like the way they make mashed potatoes. And I put that in my blog. I don't like the way they make mashed potatoes. Get another side. You know? So yes. One of the things, I'm, yeah, I am like that. Yeah. And mm-hmm. tell me if I'm wrong, like you made um, like a brunch, like no boys allowed. Yes. So tell us a little bit about that. Yes. So one of my college colleagues, well, classmates, Arlinda Williams and I, we made, um, we decided to come with this concept. So Arlinda already has a group called the Glow Group, which is a Christian-based group for women, basically just coming together and just, you know, talking about God and just being real, you know, talking about real-life relationships and stuff like that. And so I also, in undergrad at Texas a I created my own organization called Mosaic Flowers, which was one of the only organizations for Black women that wasn't, you know, D9 or Greek-affiliated or anything like that for Black women, women of color. And so um, that's always been my biggest thing is just like being a black woman in this white space. How can I maximize, you know, making sure that other people, other black women feel comfortable in this white space? You know, again, I'm in a white male dominated profession. How can I make myself bigger? So people see me. Representation matters. Right. So being that I'm all for women empowerment, day one, day one, like came out the womb, women, 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 black women specifically. Black women. So Arlena and I came together. She's like, girl, we should do a brunch. And I'm like, oh, say what? You know, brunch is my thing. I'm like, we can, you know, forge a relationship between women that all come from different spaces of the world. So we talking like, you know, we got people who are engineers who are black women, attorneys, you know, you have people that are teachers, you have people, college professors, you have people that are in HR. So like-minded women just coming together and just like saying, hey, this is a woman for, this is a space for black women, with anybody, with women of color. Um, coming together and just joining forces, just having a girls' moment. We don't need to have boys. We don't need to have boys here. You know, sometimes boys can be the source of the problem. So it was like, right, create this space for women to come together and just kind of just sip, sip and talk <laughs> and eat our favorite thing to do. Yes. And how how many um, brunches have you guys held so far? So we just had our first one. We're gonna have another one coming up. We're supposed to plan it for sometime in March. So we'll probably have another brunch probably in March, probably late March. We're leaning towards. Um, so we're going to continue to host them and have them. Um, we had a great turnout. Uh, we had a great, uh, like a lot of people, you know, reaching out, you know, wanting to come and wanting to do all this good stuff. So it's like, yes, girl, please come. We would love to have you, you know. So we're excited about what the future has to come. Yes. Are you guys ever thinking about like, you know, making it like something on the move, like bringing it to like different cities? I mean, we may have to. Arlinda loves Atlanta. (laughs) I love (laughs) my girl. She loves Atlanta. So I was thinking I even brought it up to her one time. Like, hey, we should do one in Atlanta. You know, we just take a group trip. And I love to travel. She loves to travel, too. So we might have to do that. We might have to make that us time for something like next year or something like that. Yeah. Put DMV on on your list. girl. I'm going to put DMV on there, girl. Girl, put DMV. Because like, I love... Because like, I don't go to brunches a lot, but when I do go to brunches, 
it's just like it's just a moment of just like a getaway it's like i'm here the food nice the music nice i'm here it's, it's different than a, like a dinner but like a brunch is like a different time yes no brunch is definitely one of the fun things um i love to do i just enjoy being with my friends and it just kind of gives us time to like hey like we could turn up in the day but, you know, at nighttime, we can still go to sleep, you know, because, you know, we like, girl, we can, oh, you know, we all said the same thing. So that just, allows right. come, it just allows us to come together and like, you know, at the end of the week, girl, how was your week? You know, that kind of thing. Yeah. And with like everything you're going, like everything going on and just being able to break away and just yes. enjoy the time is like, is that's, is what we need. Like we have to begin to incorporate things in our days and our weeks where we're able to really unwind and enjoy the space that we're and like, just get out the house or even in your house, just like make it transform, right. do something different. Absolutely. It, and especially like you said, with, it's so much going on. And my friends always laugh, laugh cause I'm all, they're like, well, Don, what all is going on? And I'm like, all this, this COVID stuff. It's just so much craziness going on in the world. It just really allows you to break away and to kind of just say, Hey, like I'm going to take a break. Cause it's mentally exhausting. And even then like social media can be exhausting as well because like, you don't realize it, but you're actually internalizing all the content that you see on there. And so that can kind of take away from your spirit. Whereas if you go to like, you know, one of the social events, like a brunch or something like that, it kind of allows you to kind of have that time out, like saying, hey, you know, be focusing on being in the present and, you know, right. with your girls or with your boyfriend or whatever. And and that's what brunch allows me to do, especially after a long week of being in court and dealing with craziness. I'm like, yes, I need a cocktail, strong, and I need some food. Yes. And what are some like other ways that you practice self-care? Um, I love massages. I love massages. Um, I enjoy recently I really got into going to the spa. Um, I enjoy the spa a lot. Um, I really enjoyed reading. I'm a huge reading person. Um, I've always been that way. Um, reading, of course, shopping, girl. I I need to go through my closet right now. So (laughs) shopping. Shopping. Uh, so I always say brunch can be a form of self care, but I have to be careful personally because like my energy sometimes it can just be a lot, you know. Right. So um, definitely massages, reading, shopping, and just being chill, sleeping in late because I don't. It's very rare where I get to do that. Is sleep in, and, and by sleeping in late, I'm talking about like nine. <laughs> but sis, I'm over here thinking about you talk about about twelve o'clock, about one. Never let me lay in that long. I wish it did, but no. Um, yeah, no. I'm usually girl. My mom is West Indian. She don't play that. So I know my mom. She be looking at me. She be like, uh, she be looking at me, and I'm just like, please don't, please don't. She's like, she would come down and she'd be like, so she's like, I know you can hear me. Exactly. Like, mentally, I'm just like, please, please go away. Like, exactly. can we sleep? But she's like, wake up, and I'm just like. Oh my goodness! I'll be trying to like fake it, but no. West Indian parents. Oh, wow! I wake up early. Yeah, West Indian parents—they're they're, they're definitely like get it together. Yes. I'm about to be up at four o'clock in the morning. I'm like, shorty, it's four a.m. <laughs> right, go to sleep. But no, this is uh, this is definitely a great conversation. I definitely enjoyed having you here. Um, to wrap this up, can you give us one piece of advice? Of course. One of my biggest pieces of advice is um, being flexible. Uh, be flexible. Uh, I, like I said earlier, I was one of those people I was not flexible. I, I, throughout my 
personal and my professional life, I've struggled being flexible. And that's one of the biggest things, like I said, my brother has helped me be flexible. Because um, there are some things that, you know, you know that you want and you'll get there in due time. You have to be flexible. You may have some roadblocks. You may, you may, God may say, okay, not right now, not today. But you have to learn to be flexible and say, okay, let me pivot. Like the word that you used earlier, let me pivot. You know, let me do something else. Because life is not going to be straight up one, two, three. You know, it, it life will not be that way. And so one of the biggest things I would say is be flexible and be confident within yourself and your abilities. That will take you far. Um, I feel like ever since I've over, I'm overcoming imposter syndrome, it's taken me far, especially having that confidence within myself. It's like, hey. I could do this. I did this work. I, you know, I, I did the heck out that motion or I, I wrote the heck out that, you know what I'm saying? Just having that confidence will really take you far. So that's one of my biggest things. My third piece of advice, I know you said one, but the biggest thing is like, make space for those that come behind you. Make, you know, pull, reach back and pull back because you constantly helping other people, you're helping yourself, you're helping that person and then that person's going to help another person. And so, being again being a black woman in a white space has allowed me to you know show people yes there are black women attorneys that yes we are classy we have we have class yeah but i also love trina so <laughs> i love trina. you know what I'm, yes. I, I love a good twerk song you know what i'm saying i love a good cocktail you know what i'm saying be yourself be yourself because there's gonna be people that are coming after you and they're like well i can't be an attorney because i don't fit this mold or i don't do this and it's kind of just like, hey, girl, I do all the stuff that you're talking about that you do. I, like I said, I enjoy Trina. I love a good pullover, you know, and that's just some of the things that I do. So just constantly be yourself, reach and pull back and just be confident within your ability. Yes. Thank you so much. I love that. Especially the part where you just like, are just saying like, be yourself. Cause like we look at these like careers and we just like, I'm this, I can never be that. And it's just like, as much space as we make for other people, we have to make for ourselves. So Absolutely. thank you so much no, for that. Cause like, like I said, okay. you see, I got this top knot, you know what I'm saying? It's like, I'm being a black woman in my space. I sometimes wear lashes. I'm going to wear my lashes. I have my nails, you know, I'm going to wear my nails. So it's just one thing that, you know, it helps you stick out. Of course, you know, you have to do everything in moderation, but it's just like, you know, be yourself, girl, be yourself. If you want to listen to Trina, you know, listen to Trina, Trick Daddy, you know, be king and still be an attorney. You can do that because I do all the above. My friends know know that. I'm going to have a good time. I'm a person before I'm my profession. I will never allow my profession to overcome my personality. And I feel like that's important too. Yes, yes, girl. Y'all better listen to this interview, okay? Y'all better really listen to it. We're going to make sure we drop, you know, snippets here and there on Instagram. But make sure you come and, like, listen to the full thing because it was really inspirational, very much uplifting. And you just, like, hear, like, all the points of, like, who really BBK is and, you know, why we created this podcast. And as y'all know, family, every Monday we drop a new episode. We also feature, you know, our guests on our Instagram as well. So you can follow them, follow what they're doing and you know you can like build a relationship and connect with them you know one-on-one and when juju reach out to people just know that she's reaching out to people who's also like very open and very much willing to help the next person so if you ever feel like hey like 
I'll listen to the interview and I want to connect with this person. I probably want to ask them a question. Please feel free to, because I've been re- really reaching out to like, you know, searching for people who's like really open and out there just to make sure that they can be willing to like, you know, put their hand back to help you out. Um, so just know like here, we really are a community and you know, that's it. That's what we hear today. So you want to listen to this, you can feel motivated and you're going to feel good. And that is all for this week. So Thank Bobby BK family. Yes. <laughs>